Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Thankfully, Mary gave us an opportunity, and today we're going to talk about that just a little bit. As we're going to be going in a moment to the second chapter of Matthew for the Christmas story, part one. While you're turning or while you're finding the second chapter of Matthew, I'm going to be reading a few other verses rather than having you go in, uh, you know, follow me around a little bit here. I'll have these on the screen so that you can make sure that you can catalog those and read along with me. And the Christmas story today is going to remind us that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And there may be a whole lot more than what we realize. That God is working. And that waiting on God is never a waste of time. Waiting on God is not wasting time. And while we are waiting, God is working. A third thing we're going to see today is that what we do while we wait can affect how long we wait. And then hopefully our conclusion today will be to be reminded by the Christmas story that God has a plan, he will succeed, and our life is our chance to participate. So before we focus on Matthew, the second chapter, and before we begin to read some of the details about the Christmas story, let me step back into the book of Chronicles, specifically 1 Chronicles chapter 1. I'm going to be, begin reading in verse 1. You can follow along and please don't get too bored because I'm actually going somewhere with this. Are you ready? 1 Chronicles 1, verse 1. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, Japheth. I guess you've guessed by now we're going through some of the genealogical accounts, some of the lineage. And what God is doing is he's, he's establishing here a lineage that will end up in Chronicles with King David. Because God is supporting his choice for David as king. His choice for David being an integral part of the focus of a portion of the Word of God so that we might understand how God works because there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than what we may realize. And, and that God connects dots. God puts things together. God is so involved. He doesn't tell us everyone's life, and he doesn't tell us the, the, the stories of every person that's mentioned in the Bible, but he rather continues to sharpen the focus on this particular genealogy. God continues to sharpen the focus on a particular covenant partner that he has chosen through which he would bring Messiah. 
And so we have read that from Adam all the way to Noah and Noah's three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. God finds these things very important because God covers every detail. You might imagine that there's something in your life he doesn't know about. Well, that's not the truth. You might even imagine that there's something going on in your world that he doesn't care about. That's not the truth. You might even think that perhaps you are in such obscurity, hidden, maybe living in, in, in a vacant moment to where you feel lost or alone or, or, or hidden. But that's not the truth. God knows everything, including the number of the hairs on your head. He knows you by name. He is very intricately involved in your life and in everything you do. He continues here to sharpen the, the, the focus. He got us from Adam down to Noah. And as you know, Noah was a righteous man. Several of these men were very special partners with God. That does not mean they were the only special partners of God. This is just the story that God is telling so that he can bring Jesus to light as a son of David and a son of Abraham so that he can show that he was very involved and intricately involved in every detail of their lives. As he sharpens the focus... From Noah, he chooses Shem. Verse 24, we continue. Shem, Arphaxed, Selah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Serug, Nahor, Terah, and Abram, who is Abraham. Wow, you see how God begins to focus as God is giving his attention to a story that he wants to tell. But in this story, we can easily extrapolate the truth and understand that God was involved in many people's lives in the same measure. But this is through the lineage where he will bring Christ. He wants to make sure he establishes this to show that King David is his rightful choice. And through him would come this line of the tribe of Judah. He narrows it down to Abraham. And then, verse 28, the sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael. And then God narrows it down a little more and says in verse 34, and Abraham begot Isaac. The sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. You remember Jacob and Esau, but God changed Jacob's name to Israel. As he's focusing more, he focuses it one more time down to this covenant patriarch through which Christ would come. And, and he narrows it down to Israel. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, excuse me, it's 1 Chronicles chapter 2. He says, these were the sons of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Twelve sons that would become the twelve tribes of Israel. He narrows it down a little more when he gets to verse 4. And Tamar, who was Jacob's daughter-in-law, who had been widowed more than once with his sons. And Tamar, his daughter-in-law, bore him Perez and Zerah, all the sons of Judah, 
were five. And then if we were continuing reading, we would find that from Perez, as he, as he narrows it down, came Hezron and Ram and Amenadab and Nashon. My goodness. He just continues to narrow down all the way, if you were to read it, all the way to King David. The Chronicles, they begin with this detailed genealogy of the patriarchs and our fathers of faith. And this genealogy happens to follow some of the main characters who had a covenant with God. And I cannot stress enough that these are not the only covenant partners with God. For God said to Elijah, I have 7,000 you're not even aware of who have not bowed their knee to Baal. God always has a remnant and God is always involved in people's lives. Today as we sit here in the United States of America and wherever you may be sitting as you're watching, whatever you are doing, never discount the fact that today 65,000 people will be born again in this 20. Four hours that God is working every day. He's working in China. He's working in Pakistan. He's working in India. He's working in, in, in Zimbabwe. He's working in Argentina. He's working in Chile. He is working all over the world. God has a plan. And he is intricately involved in every life. He is hoping that people will recognize what he is doing and what he has done and that they will believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved because God is giving us a chance for eternity. The Bible puts this genealogy in order to establish the lineage of King David and validate him as God's evident choice. You see, David was not just a man after God's own heart, but rather David was a man whose life, whose lineage, and whose legacy was crafted and guided by the hand of God. And believe me when I tell you that there are no accidents in God's plan. That you today, you are not an accident. You are not someone that God does not have a plan for. You are not the person outside of his will or hidden from his view or without his heart or without his care. God knows you. He loves you and he knows everything about you. And there are things going on behind the scenes, more things than we could ever imagine. God is orchestrating things according to his own will. There are no accidents in God's plan. And throughout the word of God, you will continue to find genealogies. Because God wants you to know how hard he's working in generation after generation, in life after life, putting his plan together so that you and I and others like us throughout the generations might actually embrace an eternity that he has prepared for us. But why in the world do these genealogical records matter? Well, evidently they matter to God. God likes to keep things in order. And he makes sure that all the dots are connected in a way that pleases him. And even when someone throws a wrench in God's plan for their life, yet they never catch God unprepared for what they have done. 
You can never catch God unprepared for what you're going to do. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He is the best for you. But he is well established in the art of fixing your problems and getting you back on track and offering you an abundant entrance right back into the greatest will and the greatest opportunity that he can offer you. Just ask Jonah. When Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh, rather he went the other direction. He disobeyed God. He got on a ship. He went out into the Mediterranean, headed for Tarsus, away from the will of God. And yet, when those on the ship found it necessary to cast Jonah overboard or lose the ship, when Jonah hit that water, the Bible says that God had prepared a great fish for Jonah. Now this fish, this great fish that swallowed him up was not punishment. It was provision. It was protection for it was that fish that encapsulated Jonah, kept him alive and nourished him until Jonah came to his senses and cried out, my God, my God, help me. And that fish had already taken him to the place that he needed to be and spit him up on dry ground. He didn't even have to walk on water or swim. <laughs> You'll never catch God unprepared for something that you do. Some difficulty that you deliver him, some tragedy, some trauma, something that happened to you or something that you caused. You will never catch God saying, I'm sorry, I don't want you anymore. I'm sorry, I can't use you anymore. I'm sorry, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Whatever you give to God, whatever you give him in any place you are, in any situation or circumstance you find yourself in, God will always rally you to victory. Always give him time and give him something to work for, something to work with. Give God a chance. Take Abraham, for example. Abraham, the word means father. In this sense, God named Abraham, Abraham, because he told him, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your seed. You'll become the father of many nations, and in you all the earth shall be blessed. Now, we know God was speaking to Abraham primarily about an eternity that would be filled with the seed of Abraham. That not only through Abraham and David, but through Christ, we would be offered an opportunity to be become a child of Abraham. In fact, the Word of God says that Jesus, he gave his life on the cross of Calvary, and it is written, cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. Why was Jesus cursed? So that the blessings of Abraham might come on us by faith. We are children of Abraham. Almighty God had that in his mind, but first that which is natural. The Bible says not that which is spiritual is first, but first that which is natural. And after that which is natural, that which is spiritual. God raised up a family, raised up a family from Jacob, from Israel and the patriarchs. He raised up a chosen people for himself. He did that naturally. And then he spoke to us and told us that we could become his children spiritually. Abraham father of many nations. In the book of Chronicles, there in that first chapter, we read through the genealogy and we found these two very memorable and very important sons of Abraham, 
Isaac and Ishmael. You guys remember Isaac and Ishmael? They're very well-known players in this covenant of God, in this story that God is telling. They are very well-known sons of Abraham. Who is it that has not heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Both very well-known sons, Isaac and Ishmael. But how many people are familiar with Abraham's other six sons? Many people aren't even aware that he had six more sons and daughters. You see, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, that we are familiar with. But he had some lesser known sons who were still a part of God's plan and God's covenant. They were born to Abraham by his wife Keturah. You remember Abraham and Sarah. But there's a continuing story with Abraham and Keturah. Let's look back, if you would, and on the screen in 1 Chronicles 1 for just a moment because these sons which were covenant partners with God have almost been forgotten and yet they are a very important part of the Christmas story. 1 Chronicles 1 verse 32. Now the sons born to Keturah through Abraham, Abraham's concubine, were Zimram and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shuah. The sons of Jokshan were Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephah and Hanak and Abida and Elda. All these were the children of Keturah. Who in the world is Keturah? Well, when Abraham was about 135 years old or so, we see Sarah going off the picture somehow. We don't know how, we don't know what, but somewhere between him being 135 and 139 or so, Sarah is gone. It's in that time when Abraham is about 139 that he sends a servant to the east, back to Syria, where Syria and Turkey meet in the lower mountains of Ararat. And he sends them back to his family. And there Abraham, through his servant, procures a wife for his son Isaac. You may remember Rebekah. There he pays some money. He pays a great price, a great dowry. And his servant brings Rebekah back to Isaac. When Isaac and Rebekah see one another, Abraham is 140 years old and Isaac is 40 years old. And they get married and they move. The Bible says that Isaac took his new wife, Rebekah, into his mother's tent. And they set up house and they became the main characters. And living in his mother's tent, that means his mother wasn't living there. Abraham moves out. What's Abraham going to do? He's 140 years old. He's not quite finished yet. It looks like he is. He thinks he is. But whenever he gets finished with one destiny, when he gets finished with one vision, when he gets finished with one plan that God had for him, you know, here begins another one. Why? Because God's not finished. Because God had promised Abraham that I'm going to make you the father of many nations, not just the father of two nations. Not just the father of one nation. 
And so when Abraham was 140 years old, he marries Keturah. And through Keturah for the next 35 years, Abraham has six more sons and more grandsons and more granddaughters. And then when Abraham is right at 175 years old, he sets his whole family down and he begins to give them their inheritance, remembering that each one of these sons, Isaac, born to Sarah, Ishmael, born to Hagar, and these other six sons born to Keturah, each one of them is a covenant partner with God, born under the covenant of Abraham, born by the promise of God to say that I will bless you and I will make your family a blessing and the whole earth shall be blessed by you and your sons. And he, Abraham, sends these sons into the east. You can read it right there in the Bible. It's a part of the story. He sends them eastward. And if we today, remembering that each one of these sons was born under the covenant promise of God, each one blessed and each one a blessing to the nations that they live in, we can still find traces of their names. Their names are still frequent, stretching out into the eastern and southern Arabian peninsulas. Many records existing document the lineage of these people from the East, a specific group of people as being connected and being descendants of Abraham, the father of many nations. In fact, the Jews teach that these Eastern wise men, they are the sons of Abraham. That's why they are so wise. That's why they were, they, they, they were, they were you know, uh, well-known and counselors because they were blessed and they were a blessing to every nation they went to. But what difference does that make to the Christmas story? Well, Matthew chapter 2. Have you found it? Let's read it. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. These wise men were men of renown. They were men from the east. They were Persian or Arabian magi, as we understand. And magi is where we get this concept of magician. And magician today has a bad connotation in the church. But it does not have a historical bad connotation. A magician uh, was one that was gifted with wisdom in the art of counsel. They were specially educated in philosophy and astronomy and religion and world affairs. They were well respected for their proven abilities to interpret dreams and, and to see into the future and uh, many of them taking after what we understand was the spirit, the same spirit that Daniel had as Daniel served in the Persian Empire. And as Daniel was considered to be one of the wise men, one of the magicians, one of those that, that could interpret dreams and see the future and give counsel, the same spirit, they were much sought after. These magi were much sought after by, uh, by kings and noblemen. They were desired as counselors to give guidance and knowledge and truth of things hidden from common view. As I said, the Jewish scholars have long taught that these Eastern Magi were descendants of Abraham through his wife, Keturah. The covenant of God rested upon Abraham's sons and the promise of God that he would bless Abraham and make him and his descendants a blessing to all the nations. 
was fulfilled through all the sons of Abraham. Of course, we know and we believe that those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we are the children of Abraham. But first the natural, then the spiritual. Let me tell you, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. In country after country, place after place, places seemingly forgotten, in things that perhaps people feel hidden in, but yet God is orchestrating everything. God has a purpose, and he works all things together for his plan. You see, God has this one picture, this one puzzle that he has. He knows where every piece goes, and you are a piece of that puzzle, and your neighbor is a piece of that puzzle. And every person that will ever be born on planet earth will have the opportunity to embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is the gospel and what we believe that almighty God works in the hearts of men and women. And we are those who shine a light on what God is doing in their life. God worked hard to bring Jesus to just the right family at the right time, at the right place. And God has worked hard to get you where you are. He has a plan for you. There was a natural covenant through Abraham and a spiritual covenant through Abraham. Did we find Matthew? Let's read it again. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here God is fulfilling prophecy. Every jot, every tittle, every dot is connected by God. He's got a lot of dots on planet earth. There are a little over 7 billion dots on planet earth right now. And God is attempting to connect every one of them to their greatest day, their plan, and their purpose. Verse 9. When... The wise men heard the king. They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know these to be the gifts that enabled Mary and Joseph to take Jesus, to shelter him, protect him down into Egypt for a period of time and then to bring him back, ultimately residing in Nazareth. We know that Mary and Joseph were blessed by these magi. It was not just a let's go and worship. The Spirit of God was moving in their hearts. 
in a far country, in a far place. And it was, it was to them that God sent the star. It was to them that God sent the knowledge that a king had been born, that the king of the Jews had been born. And the Spirit of God drew them. And they brought wealth. And they brought gifts. And they fell and they worshipped Jesus, this little baby, as the king of kings and lord of lords, as the promised Messiah, as the seed of Abraham, who would take away the sins of the world. These gifts enable Jesus to accomplish a portion of his plan to bring him to a world that was lost and hurting. Let me encourage you this morning as I begin to close that if God has given you a dream or a word or a prophecy or if you have a vision of God's plan for your life, if you feel like God has told you or you really feel like God is going to do something through your life, don't despair just because you haven't seen it yet. Don't despair because you might feel hidden, because you might feel like you're in obscurity, because you feel as though that life might be passing on, that things may be happening in other places, in other nations, in other cities, in other families, in other people's lives, and nothing is happening here. Let me tell you, what is happening here is the hand of God. What is happening in your life is God's plan for your life. Continue to give your life to Him because there is more going on behind the scenes than what you could ever imagine. And waiting on God is never wasting time. And while we are waiting, God is working. And let me tell you for certain that what you do while you wait can often affect how long you wait. God has a plan. He will succeed. And life is your chance to participate. It's the only chance you have. Trust God. Wait upon Him. Realize that you have not thrown yourself off of God's Wagon, You've not taken yourself out of play. God holds a door open. God opens doors that no man can shut. He holds a door open for everyone who will say, Almighty God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He's not forgotten you. And he won't forget you. All you have to do is ask Daniel who prayed for three weeks. Oh God, oh God, oh God, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. And finally when Gabriel the angel showed up, he said to Daniel, from the first day that you began to pray, we heard you and God dispatched me to bring you word and to answer your prayer. And I was withstood by the devils and the demons and the principalities and the powers of this world system. They withstood me and we fought for three weeks but I was not to despair for Michael the archangel and your prince he came and he fought with me and we pushed back the hordes of hell and I am here to tell you now that God heard you from the very first day and he sent me the very first day don't despair God knows where you are he knows what you need all you have to do is look at Zacharias and Elizabeth Here's Zacharias, an old priest, is going into the temple in Jerusalem as was his turn to do, to burn incense upon the altar in one summer day. And there came angel Gabriel once again. And Gabriel said to Zacharias, we've heard your prayers. 
We've heard your prayer. You prayed for a son. We're going to give you a son. You're going to have a son. And, and then Zacharias backed up with every indication saying that basically, hold on a second. That, you know, I don't even remember the last time I prayed for that. I'm old now and my wife is old. And no, 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 not going to happen. And Gabriel said, you don't understand. You prayed. Heaven heard your prayer. And now is the time. You've not been forgotten. You're going to have a son. Now you shut up. Because your prayers have been heard on high. Just because you don't see it happening right now does not mean that God's taking you out of the play. While you are waiting, God is working. And waiting on God is never wasting time. What we do while we wait can affect how long we wait. What should you do while you're waiting? Well, let me tell you, you are the magi today. You are the wise men and women of God. You are the seed of Abraham. You are the ones that have been spread out into all the earth. You are the ones we stretch from Texas to Taiwan. We stretch all the way from Beaumont to Bangladesh, from, from Vider to Vietnam. We stretch all over the world, from Mid-County to Midway. God has his children in every location. And what he is wanting is for us to be the Magi, for us to be those filled with the Spirit of God, in covenant with God, under the blessings of Abraham, bringing gifts to him what does he want today in this season he wants what he's always wanted would you bring someone to Christ would you in this season give him a gift would you just dare to get out of your comfort zone Maybe walk across a desert. Maybe talk to people that you don't know. Would you in your worship of Jesus offer him a soul? Tell somebody that he is the reason for the season.